fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Hey, you made yourself... Work through the first full week after the Thanksgiving celebration. You, my friends, are one step closer to another holiday right around the corner with Christmas, New Year's, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, doesn't really matter. Great to have you today. Happy Friday to you. Pat your ba- uh, pat yourself on the back. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream. That's what we do here looking into another beautiful weekend. And what a crazy week it's been. Take a deep breath. I realize you finally made it to the end of the tunnel. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it is so good to have you along with us here. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Today is December 1. Hard to believe, man. We are going to start slowly throughout this next month, transitioning into uh, year in review with everything that we've been doing, uh, good and bad and indifferent and all the fun stuff that we've had throughout the year. So uh, get ready for that. But with December 1st also means, I think, the official, unofficial kickoff to the holidays as well, stepping up that notch of holiday excitement. Uh, Coming up on the program today, we're going to dive deep into that fun holiday tradition. Raymond Arroyo. You may know that name. He's a Fox News contributor. He's a journalist. He is a uh, avid and frequent visitor of the Ingram Angle of Laura Ingram's TV program on Fox News. Also used to fill in and guest with uh, Laura Ingram on her radio program when she had one as well. Uh, we'll have Raymond Arroyo on the program. Bottom of the hour, he's got a new jazz Christmas album that he's about to release, or it's already released. He's on tour right now with that. We'll talk about his music. We'll talk about Christmas season. We'll talk about the culture war on Christmas as well. And have some fun with that conversation in just a little bit. Lots to get to, though, man. Uh, Joe Biden, we always have to do our daily check-in with him, though, as he seems to be, like, doing okay, right? Doing all right? I'm not going nuts. Just making sure. So we do our daily What's Trending story of the day. (laughs) What's trending today? And apparently, now that the campaign trails are starting to gear up, there is a new issue that he wants to let everybody know that he is full aware of. So that way they can play denial whenever there's any type of accusation about something bad that may come up under the Biden family, the investigations of the Biden family right now, the concerns about the corruption with Hunter Biden or some of the drugs that he did or, you know, dealing with the big guy, sending off some of the cash from the Biden family from China or from Ukraine or from wherever. And, uh, yeah, we need to make sure that there's going to be plausible deniability in any of those issues. As according to CNN.com, the Biden administration and the 2024 Biden presidential campaign has now created their own task force of lawyers of a legal team in pre- uh, preparation for responses for what they're calling misleading artificial intelligence generated images of video drafting court filings and preparing now legal theories that could be deployed as a counter potential disinformation effort that technology experts have warned could disrupt the actual vote by claiming that anything that's negative out on the Bidens could be disinformation on the campaign trail created by the evil Russians and the Trump administration. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's where we're at now. Uh, Here we are officially at this point, and this is why I've tried to focus so much about that on this program, that... We are at the point in society now where everything that is said and done 
is out in the open, and yet while the truth is out there, no one sees it. And some some people take that to a biblical standpoint or a, or a civilization standpoint, but we are at a point in technology and in the world today that you can do anything out there and you can blame disinformation. You can say that it's not true. You can say that it's artificial intelligence. You can say that it was some type of hit job from you know a communist nation like Russia or like China or somebody else, that it's not true and that it's all hit. So now you have plausible deniability. So when we actually have legitimate financial transactions, like they're investigating, uh, investigating right now under the Biden administration, legitimate uh, information that we have of them working with the big guy, of Hunter Biden gathering information, bullying, pulling strings, making some money, and leveraging with the big guy in order to make these business dealings on the private level. And we have a House of Representatives committee that's investigating this, and actually we have Hunter Biden now willing to come and testify in court in this hearing to discuss some of these issues. While we have all this going on, we now have a task force from the Bidens prepared that if any of this leaks out onto social media, if this conversation goes any further on social media or in the news, we now have a legal team to say, no, it's disinformation. It is not true. It's artificially intelligence generated, and therefore we need to shut it down. Now, this is the same president, I would like to remind you, that is working to centralize the control and regulations of artificial intelligence because of what he says is a concern of this type of information. As you know, we're good friends with Armed American Radio, and I don't know if it's still ongoing. Mark hasn't talked about it in a while. Mark Walters, host of the show. But he was at least in some sort of litigation with an artificial intelligence-generated story that was completely fabricated about him in some type of lawsuit that was going on between him and the Second Amendment Foundation. Obviously not true, uh, saying that he had embezzled a whole bunch of money out of the company and he had worked for them. and yet, But it came up with a court case number. It came up with this information. With that. None of it true. Artificial intelligence. And Joe Biden, while pretending to act like he actually cares about this, has pushed legislation to centralize the power, centralize the control, and to be able to regulate it to make sure that there is no misinformation out there. But then using that as the scapegoat on the campaign trail with a task force of lawyers to file suits against anyone who may potentially share information that uh, is negative towards the Bidens and the Biden family going into election season because we can't have this information being spread out there. How dare you? We are at a point now in society where information is overwhelming. We've hit the wave of information to where anything is at your fingertips. But the question is, are you capable, are you cognitive enough to screen through it, to recognize what is truth, what is not truth, what is reality, what is not reality? And do you have wisdom and the knowledge to try and weed through some of that? There are two things we try to promote on this show, and that is knowledge and wisdom, because we have the information out there. Now, how do we put it into context and how do we put it into perspective to apply it to our lives and make sure that it's actually legitimate instead of people out there saying that, like, the Holocaust didn't exist or something? That's what our focus here is on the show, and that's what we're going to continue to do. And get ready, because this will be a nasty – we will have never seen – my prediction, we will have never seen an election like we're about to see in 2024. And that includes the 2016 election when everybody was shocked that Donald Trump won the presidency of the United States. We have never seen an election that we're about to go into, and it's because anything that is said potentially negative of a candidate, we can now blame as artificial intelligence or deep state fake news that's spread out there for misinformation, causing you to question yourself and question reality on what the truth actually is and not knowing what the hell is going on. And my prediction 
is that that's going to frustrate so many people that it's going to turn more people off from voting because they don't want to have to deal with this and have to go down that road of what is truth and what is not truth. So that being said, we'll have some more information on that and keep you posted as that story unfolds. But the task force is already prepared. Joe Biden protecting himself and the upcoming election to where he doesn't have to campaign. He just has to have his uh, task force attack anyone that may criticize him and blame him for things that are going on in his personal life. All right, that being said, we got to have some fun with this. It's a Friday. We got to have some fun with this. Did you watch the debate last night? Andy, what debate? Yeah, the debate on Fox News with Sean Hannity moderating that did a horrible job moderating between uh, Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. It really showed that, uh, I mean, let's be honest, I know that they talked over each other quite a bit. That's what politicians do. Sean Hannity had very little control in that debate. And I said it there early on. I was skeptical on why they were even doing this, but it kind of validated the whole point early on in the debate when they were talking about federal issues and Joe Biden instead of their actual states and policy and issues that they try to hold on to as governors in their policy decision-making opportunities. And it was really for both of them to be a ploy for Ron DeSantis to bump up his poll numbers, trying to run a presidential campaign, and Gavin Newsom to slyly behind the scenes run a presidential campaign without actually admitting that he's wanting to do so. Is Joe Biden experiencing this cognitive decline? Is it a danger to the country? Do you find when he speaks, what is your reaction to it? Yes, he's in decline. Yes, it's a danger to the country. He has no business running for president. And, you know, Gavin Newsom agrees with that. He won't say that. That's why he's running his shadow campaign. Uh, I mean, he's absolutely right. But he's doing the same thing with trying to boost up his poll numbers as well. Uh, It was what we about expected with this debate. And we can go over some of the topics. There were some interesting bits in there uh, where we knew that Ron DeSantis was going to go on the attack to prove that he's strong enough and be a strong enough Republican leader to lead us into a presidential campaign and take on the big Democrats. Gavin Newsom was there to try and tear down the Republicans, which he did. And, of course, now we're walking away with bitter tears on both ends. As according to the Newsom campaign, or the Newsom camp, at least the team that was there for Fox News, says that uh, they are upset and they are disputing charges that Ron DeSantis and Sean Hannity cheated in the election because it was a two-against-one debate where they were both attacking him, trying to make him defend his position. Now, (laughs) Now, hold on, hold on. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking here. You're thinking, well, Andy, every debate that we see even on the Republican side is moderated by Democrats, and they're always on the defense, as all of them are, as Democrats are somehow and oddly uh, moderating our Republican presidential elections, uh, presidential campaign uh, uh, debates. And that response would be, you're absolutely correct, so you already kind of know what you're getting into when you get into a debate. And as Gavin Newsom going into it, you should probably have that idea when you're debating Ron DeSantis with Sean Hannity as kind of the figurehead since, God bless Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace, since he passed, is Sean Hannity is one of the most prestigious or one of the biggest names in the conservative movement when it comes to political pundits on the right side of the aisle who's moderating your debate. So you kind of should already have that idea intact. But apparently there were some bitter uh, words that were spoken behind the scenes with some of the teams from back and forth saying that uh, by the 95 minutes that it was over, that the Newsom team said that they were done with the debate, they were sick and tired of it, that they felt ganged up on, and that apparently the rules were made that they could only have a pen and uh, tablet to write notes on. They couldn't bring any type of objects, which case Ron DeSantis, if you did watch it, had up the picture of the uh, poop app and all the different spaces on the app on where you shouldn't go in San Francisco because of the feces that was in the streets. He brought a picture of that 
and a couple other pictures of things, which he apparently was not supposed to do, and he said that he was not familiar with the rules. So they're squabbling over the rules on how this actually went down now. Very stupid, very ridiculous, and it's really not surprising because do you really expect anything different from a progressive like that who felt ganged up on? Welcome to the party, pal! And Ron DeSantis, who's really trying to make his end on the Republican side. It was entertaining, I guess. We didn't really learn a whole lot new. We heard the mudslinging, and we definitely heard what we thought we would from Gavin Newsom, which was a whole bunch of fabricated lies and just nothingness, where none of it was true in any way, shape, or form just to, for him to try and question and counter any type of stat that Ron DeSantis or Sean Hannity brought up during that conversation. There was some interesting conversation, though, with uh, Second Amendment and gun issues, which we'll do when we come back here after the break. We've got to take a break here in a second. But uh, gun crimes, or just crime in general, between Florida and California, the numbers are very evident. The numbers are very concrete. It's very black and white on exactly what's really going on. And like usual, like we anticipated, Gavin Newsom was there trying to fabricate and lie and manipulate those numbers because when they changed the laws in California, they no longer consider certain things that were crimes to not be crimes any longer. So now they can say that the crimes aren't actually happening. Makes total sense, right? Again, that line, the blurring of the line between what's reality and not reality. If you loot and steal something, is it a crime? Well, yeah. Well, not if it's under California law where it's under a certain amount of money. Now it's not considered totally fine. Look at that. Crime rates went down. Oh, yeah. We went there. And it was kind of fun to watch. We'll do that when we come back here on the Friday episode of The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Always great to have you with us. By the way, as a reminder for you, our newsletter coming out on Monday, as it does the first Monday of every single month, which means Monday is the time to do it. Go to HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com. Subscribe, become the next Hoosier Holic, baby, because it will, well, Hoosier fi your life, so to speak. <laughs> All right, let's get into this, shall we? So, uh, Sean Hannity, being the moderator, tried to propose some, uh, some stats on there for them to respond to. Many of them, obviously, were in the really, hey, Gavin Newsom tried to defend these stats about crime rates between California and Florida, gun rates between the two, and Gavin Newsom had a few things to say about that, trying to twist the numbers. Now, the numbers were, they showed the national average for crime, they showed that California was sitting at right around like almost 500 people per 100,000 that were committing crimes, which they say included gun violence as well, according to Sean Hannity, and between that 500 per 100,000 people compared to Florida's 280 per 100,000 people, whatever it was. So showing that it was almost half the number of crimes in Florida than there were in California. And in response to that, after being questioned and saying, Gavin Newsom, what do you have to say about that? This was his response. Near 50-year lows, down 55% violent crimes in the state of California from the 1990s. And I want to compare and contrast that with the issue in Florida that you didn't mention, and that's the murder rate. And let's broaden it more broadly. The issue is seven of the top Those numbers 10, were part of the murder rate. Seven of the top 10 murder rates in the United States of America are red states. 
he has a 66% higher gun death. Okay, hold on. I want to stop right there because he's starting to throw out some interesting in- information. And Democrats love to do this, by the way. For those that go after the Second Amendment and gun issue, this is a prime argument that they like to use. It's saying, well, it's a red state and there's really high crime here. The issue is seven out of the top Those numbers ten, were part of the murder rate. Seven of the top ten murder rates in the United States of America are red states. All right. So seven out of the top ten murder rates are coming out of red states. Now, uh, apparently an entire state is all the same, right? Is all the same. Is the entire state all the same? The entire There's like one large city where everybody just populates in one big state, right? That's not true, obviously, which is why we've been the only ones on the radio, as far as I can tell, from any talk show host to talk about ideas like, oh, I don't know, an electoral college at a statewide level. So that way rural communities and cities actually can balance out their votes at a statewide race because things are getting a little lopsided like they used to be back when, when it came to state versus state issues. Now we're seeing those divisions within state boundaries and borders by themselves. That being said, what is in those states that could possibly be causing high crime rates and murder rates within red states? Oh, that's right. Very large cities. In Ohio, we have what? Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. California, or uh, uh, let's say Texas, for example, we have Houston, we have Dallas, we have Austin, we have some other big cities. There are large cities within these red states that have all of the crime rates. And when you remove those, coincidentally, voila, magic here, then all the crime rates actually really decrease when you get rid of those and look at nothing but the rural communities. But that's something he won't quite understand, but I digress. Let's see what else he has to say. He has a 66% higher gun death rate than the state of California. He has a higher murder rate. Go to places like Jacksonville. Go to places like Orlando. Go to places like Tampa. The murder rate's off the charts. Oh, those big cities. That's right, where they have their own city policies. That's right. He just kind of... (laughs) Did he not just argue against himself in this argument here? Compared to cities like San Francisco. (laughs) And you know what? Even more egregiously, Sean, and I think this is important, the American people deserve an answer from you, Ron. You had one of the worst mass shootings in American history, Parkland. 17 kids were gunned down. Lives lost, 17 others, lives torn asunder. You had a a young girl by the name of Jamie Gutenberg, whose father pleaded with you to do something about it. And you know what you did? They did the exact opposite. You made it easier for felons to get guns without background checks, without any training. Wow, that's not true at all. But what do narcissists do when they get confronted with the issues? Their crime rates are higher? Well, you had mass shootings. California had more mass shootings. Well, you didn't do anything and you gave criminals guns without background checks. Well, what? What? The lies, man. I'm telling you, they're crazy. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into a reason, common sense, rationale. That's just what we do here on the program. Always great to have you along with us. Your Patriot on the Prairie as we broadcast all over the place, multiple radio stations all over. Always wonderful to have you with us. Happy Friday. Finally making it to the end of the. I got to play one more real quick. This is hilarious. The. Uh, uh, the huevos, we'll put it that way, the huevos of Gavin Newsom during this debate last night was hilarious. I love this guy talking about backing the blue when you dangled pardons for January 6th insurrectionists, 85 of them <laughs> that were literally charged with attacking law enforcement. You talk a big game about backing the blue. 
with all due respect to the crime rate, again, he's not answering the fact that he has a higher murder rate than the state of California, a 66% higher gun death rate than the state of California. And I can easily answer this point. Gun safety saves lives. I don't think it. I know it. Wow. Uh, well, uh, that's what you want to say there, buddy. I mean, it, you can say whatever say you want what? to on a debate stage and not have anybody uh, credit you until afterwards to do some of those fact checking. I want to shift gears a little bit. It's a Friday. Let's have some fun. Let's get into the Christmassy season. What do you say? It is the beginning of December now officially. We are time away until we do that clock down to Christmas Day. So let's have some fun here, shall we? What's trending today? And really happy to have this next guest on the program for the first time on The Voice of Reason. He is a, a contributor to Fox News which you can see uh, very often on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram over there. He's also a journalist and musician as well with his new album that is out, Raymond Arroyo's Merry and Bright Christmas album, the jazz version, baby. It's Raymond Arroyo on the line. Raymond, how are you, my friend? Andy, what a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so much fun. I'm excited to have you on here. First off, congrats on the album. Uh, we were talking a little bit off the air. I love jazz. I don't listen to it as much as I would like, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about jazz at least in the region that I'm from here right now. And it's good to see kind of a revival of traditional jazz out there again. Well, there's not, you know, not a lot of people are what I would call uh, keepers of that jazz flame. You know, look, I, I grew up in New Orleans, uh, you know, aside from Harry Connick and, and Michael Blueblade, it's sort of Diana Krull, I guess. It's kind of fallen away. But I like a very traditional, straight-ahead, melodic jazz. I don't like progressive jazz. I'm not a fan of that. And I think that's sort of overtaken the genre. So this Christmas album, you know, it's in the spirit of Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Um, And it it has very rich. In fact, when we we handed the arrangements to some of these players, uh, some of the guys in my band, they'd been playing for 20 and 30 years together. They backed... Sinatra, uh, Johnny Mathis, uh, T- Tony Bennett, and they said, wow, the- we love these scores. These are old school scores. And they do. it sounds rich and full, and it's melodic and infectious. That is what I'm talking about when I say jazz. It's, it's really a big band album. Yeah. You know, it feels more like Count Basie than, you know, some progressive uh, little trio. Uh, and it's beautiful. These songs are so beautiful. I mean, the, the Christmas canon is so... Uh, profound and rich, and I guess I I took some of these songs for granted as well before you know diving into this album. And once I took a look at the lyrics and the history and the context of these songs, I realized so many of them we misunderstand and we may have approached in the wrong way. So you know, the Christmas Merry and Bright, this album is really my attempt to reframe these songs we thought we knew and impart them in a new way, and hopefully. Uh, re-energize them, revivify them for the next generation. Well, that's what we need to do. When I, when I think of Christmas music, now I'm a kind of a rock and metal head, so I kind of turned everything's better Uh-oh. in metal, so I kind of twist it that way. But when you think of the traditionals, uh, you think of the, the Bing Crosby and the Frank Sinatra and the Elvis Presley, and when you hear those, it brings back so many emotions and so many memories of growing up as a kid with the family and the the snow outside yep. and the Christmas lights and the opening, the presents and the family and the, the eggnog. It brings back that emotion. And I think that's what people need. Well, Andy, you know, I look, I've been blessed through the Christmas specials I've done on my other show on EWTN. Every year I would have the great voices of Christmas and some of my heroes join me. And so it was actually that it was a record producer who saw me singing with Andy Williams and Johnny Mathis and Keely Smith and uh, Aaron Neville 
uh, over the years. And they came to me and said, why don't you record a Christmas album? And I said, no, I've got, what do I have to contribute to a Christmas <laughs> album? And then I looked at it closely. I, I studied these songs. And I said, maybe there's something new we could do here. And it's new because it's old. We yeah. dove deep into um, the background of these songs. And then I went to Kevin Koska. Now, Kevin Koska, many in your audience won't know that name, but you know his work. He arranged and orchestrated The Lion King, The Jungle Book for Disney. Um, oh, my gosh. The, the, the Greatest Showman, uh, oh, The Dark yeah. Knight. I mean, incredible pieces. Kevin is such a talent. And he took these 12 songs and together we sort of shaped them and set them, I think, in the proper framing. You know, and we can get into some of that, you know, the, the hidden meaning of Jingle Bells and, and uh, Deck the Halls. And what I discovered kind of led not only our orchestration and the band uh, arrangements, but my vocal performance as well. Mm. And I think that's why it's resonated with people. Look, we've been at the top of Amazon's bestseller chart really since it came out for two months. And, uh, I mean, it, what a thrill to be there with all your heroes. There's Ella Fitzgerald and Sinatra and Bing Crosby. And you're number one in that category. I'll take it all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, here's the question. And uh, now that you do deep dives, well, yeah, let's talk about some of these lyrics and some of mm -hmm. these songs and the history of them. Here's the question. Baby, it's cold outside. That's that's the rape song, right? We, we need to ban that one, right? <laughs> you know, it's such a silly thing. We, we cannot look at the past <laughs> through the eyes of the present. You know, presentism is still a sin in my eyes. Um, th look, that was a song written by Frank Lesser that he and his wife, Frank Lesser wrote Guys and Dolls and so many beautiful songs. But this was kind of a little showpiece that he and his wife would sing at Christmas parties in the neighborhood. Yeah. That's how the song was created. So it doesn't have to do it's not about rape. It's about a guy, uh, you know, uh, making overtures to a girl and a girl telling him, no, I'm not. I've, I got to go. I got to leave. And then she kind of wants to stay, too. It, it, it's human. It's a human song. It's a sweet song. Now, is it? The height of Christmas music? No, it's not. But it's a catchy, sweet ditty, and I think a great part of the American songbook. Yeah, absolutely. When you were going through some of these and really trying to find the true meaning of these songs, which one do you think was one of the more meaningful that resonated with you the most? Well, I mean, Silent Night, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I mean, you hear Go Tell It on the Mountain, and I love that song. It's infectious, and, you know, we really bring in a kind of fun Dixieland vibe to that song, and you, you can't help but tap your feet. I did not know that that was a song that was almost lost. It was actually part of the African-American spirituals that was sung on the campus of Fisk University in Nashville. And a guy named James Work was the choral director of what was then the Fisk Jubilee Singers. They still exist today. And they, they were singing all of these beautiful African-American spirituals. Well, he remembered hearing this when he was a student on that campus. They, the kids would go door-to-door -door on Christmas Day singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. He rewrote it slightly, tried to remember the lyrics as they sang them, and preserved it. That's how it was handed down. That's how it came to us. And uh, there's another neat background there. The reason that Nashville is known as Music City is because Mr. Work and the Fisk Jubilee Singers went to perform for Queen Victoria in the 1800s. And after hearing them, she said, Oh! That must be Music City in Nashville. And so it was. Uh, and she, So she was the one that gave them that moniker, Music City. And uh, we're still go-telling it on the mountain. I mean, it's, an, it's a, a natural, organic expression of, I think, great American song.
Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to include it on the album because that, I, I think it's important to pass these songs and these traditions along to our children. And, you know, you said it earlier. We love these traditions. But these Christmas songs, to me, they're almost like prayers. What other genre of music, Andy, did your great-great-grandfather sing? Are you singing? And will your children's children be singing? Only Christmas music. It's sacred. It's beautiful. And it runs right back in time and into the future. And there's almost no music I know of. That's like that. Yeah, no, it is it is a tradition that keeps on in you know different fads, different top contemporary mm-hmm. rock and roll, country, whatever it may be. Uh, they're great, but then they fade away until the new next hit comes comes around. But even when they're remade and remade with some of the newer artists, they're the same song and they resonate yep. with the same messaging uh, day in and day out, year in and year out, generation and generation out. And uh, that's something that I don't know of any any other type of genre making or yep. doing. No, it's eternal. They're eternal. And I think, you know, my, my after looking at them all, after studying them, and, you know, I studied like 60 songs. I did. I, I went to libraries and I pulled, went to get music scores from Lincoln Center in New York. And, I, you know, I, I, I took this seriously. And I, I had 60 songs originally. Then I cut it down to 20 and then finally to the 12 we included on the album. Wow. Um, but I was, you know, you're, you're stunned by it. The question comes, why is it so eternal? Why, why, why? Why do we hold on to it? I think because it's the one of the very few genres of music that touches the divine. It mm. touches on the birth of God, God coming into earth. I mean, that's what so many of these songs are straining at, yearning at, surrounding in some way. And that gives it its timeless, eternal quality. Um, and, and I think it's, it's still what touches people deep down, whether they can express it or not. That's what's getting them. Or whether they acknowledge it or not, uh, or even attached. recognize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, Correct. You know, it's like true. prayer. It's like song prayer. Uh, you know, you don't. You, people don't know why they're they suddenly their feelings are changed or they have a reaction to something, but they have it, and that's how I think Christmas music is. I or should it. be. Or should be, exactly. We're talking with Raymond Arroyo, author or the uh, t- with the new album, Mary and Bright. You can check it out, RaymondArroyoChristmas.com is the website. You can see the album. You can see all the music. Uh, some of the songs include Deck the Halls, Jingle Bells, The First Noel, uh, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and so many more that we'll talk about when we come back. we got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about, now that we've preserved the actual tradition of Christmas, are we losing the culture? And are we losing what the meaning of it is when we, you know, see the Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for and then beat each other up for a black, uh, for a big screen TV on Black Friday, which is entertaining and as YouTube video-esque as that is, is that really what the meaning of the holidays really are going into the end of the year? So we'll talk about that when we come back. The battle against Christmas and the culture today, is that still ongoing? We'll do some more of that with Raymond Arroyo right around the corner. It's a Friday on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here of the show for a Friday, greatest day of the entire week. It's time to carpe diem all over this place, baby. It's what we tell ourselves, at least. Welcome back into it. We're hanging out. I love this conversation as we get into the festive mood. Hanging out with Raymond Arroyo. Mary M. Bright is the jazz album. Go and check it out. RaymondArroyoChristmas.com. You can order it there. You can see... 
all of the great songs that are on this. He's also on tour throughout the month as well with his band, which is amazing as we talk about some of the Christmas festivities, the history of some of this music and how it's going to live on for generations. Raymond, let's shift gears a little bit, though, in the last few minutes and let's talk about culture and the politics of this for a minute because we always hear the ongoing battle of of Christmas and the meaning of it and how it's offensive, how we have to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and all this other stuff. Uh, Is the culture and the reason for the season really dead in society as we continue to see this ongoing assault? Well, I I don't think it's dead. I just think it's in hibernation because uh, too many Christians who celebrate Christmas and understand what Christmas is there for, Christ Mass, um, they they have been reluctant to talk about that side of Christmas. They they put up trees and they talk about Santa and the reindeer and the frosty snowmen, but they don't want to talk about what this whole thing was devised to be, a celebration of God-made man. That's what it is. It's about that moment. And here's the danger, Andy, when you don't talk about it, when you don't express the fullness of a season. There are other forces that come in and either hijack it or try to, to take it down. And what we've been seeing in Michigan, in, uh, in New York City, at the Rockefeller Center tree lighting the other night, at Columbia University, I'm going to do this tonight on Laura's show, they are, there are protesters now, Palestinian protesters of a different faith, who feel perfectly free to crowd in on these Christmas celebrations, moments of jubilation and excitement for families, and use that as a staging ground for their protests. Now, look, they're free to protest wherever they like. They're not free to protest during a Christmas celebration. But when you you leech the holiday of its religious import, it opens up the the public square to uh, other other conversations that, frankly, shouldn't be there. And that's the danger. Christmas was here to celebrate the birth of Christ and to get us ready for his coming. And it is a joyous, wonderful moment filled with grace and power. But if you if you don't look at it that way and it's just kind of bright lights and drinking, well, you're going to be left with, you know, a, 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 a woozy head and, uh, you know, eye retinal damage <laughs> when it's over. But I don't know what else you get out of the holiday. Yeah. So everybody else is free, they're perfectly free to stand up for their ideology of choice or their religion of choice, except Christians. And maybe it's time we get a little more vocal and show the full pageant of the colors, particularly at Christmas. Why not? Why not? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I want to get back to the point to where we can all, if I say Merry Christmas to a Jewish individual, they can turn around and say Happy Hanukkah to me, and we can be happy along and get, you know, you know, they appreciate my culture, I appreciate their culture, and we live happily ever after and everything's fine. But everybody can celebrate theirs, like you said, except for if you say Merry Christmas, and then that all of a sudden is now infringing upon their rights to believe something else. When it's not, why can't we just appreciate everybody's views here, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or whatever the heck it may be? Let's just enjoy it. Well, look, I I agree with you. I think, you know, there's a reason that this is a national holiday, but you have to be very careful about where this is headed. In London, I don't know if you saw this or not, just this week, the London Council, the City Council, basically stripped Hanukkah from the calendar this year because they said it's too divisive. (laughs) <laughs> and causing too much um, disunity in in London. So we are now striking religious holidays and the observance of them from calendars because people might be offended by it or disagree. Well, guess what? In a pluralistic society, you have to welcome all. And that includes the majority of people who might be celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah. So exactly. I, I get very worried when I see 
the secularization of these holidays. Um, because again, you're leeching them of their meaning, and you're depriving them of their of their brightness and and what they're what's capable uh, during that holiday, both inside of all of us and in our communities. Yeah, and it comes back down to the conversation at the dinner table and raising the next generation to understand it. Have fun you with bet. Santa if you want. Have fun with the Christmas tree. Have fun with the lighting and the presents and everything. While you do that, though, have the conversation about the real reason for it as well and keep that hold dear to you. And like you said, when you sing these songs, that's what brings it back. And whether they acknowledge it, whether they actually understand it or realize it or not, we're still instilling it and carrying down that legacy and that tradition yep. moving forward. I love it. It is Mary and Bright. Go check it out. RaymondArroyoChristmas.com is the website. Go buy the album. Raymond, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. It's so great and it's such an you, honor Andy. to talk to you. we got to do it again soon. Merry Christmas to you. The honor's mine. Thank you. Absolutely. There it is. Raymond Arroyo. RaymondArroyoChristmas.com. Go and check out the website and the album. I cannot wait to listen to this. It's going to be fantastic. Until then, we're back at again on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the little bit warmer weather-ish. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.